I'm really tired of the soccer versus football conversation, <laughs> people. Okay? It's okay for a thing to have two names. And by the way, soccer is an English word for English people who are mad about the word soccer. You invented it in the first place, and I'm tired no, of having this conversation. We're not mad, but more importantly than football soccer, it's crisps, not chips. Mm, counterpoint, it's fries, not chips. From Apple News and Meadowlark Media, I'm Brendan Hunt. And I'm Rebecca Lowe, and this is After the Whistle. On today's show, England and the U.S. have played their first matches. Yeah, we have. And we have notes. One of us has more notes than the other. We'll (laughs) deep dive on all of the emotion of this first full day of the World Cup and hold back nothing. We'll also give you something else, and that is that Brendan has two teams. If you didn't already know, he gets his chance to talk about the Dutch again and how they fared against Senegal. No time to waste. And listeners, a repeated warning, there will be adult language. God fucking damn it. God damn it. Ah. Okay. Ah. So, I mean, we are, what, minutes after the final whistle of USA Wales, which, can I just say, was one for the neutral, one of the best games I've seen in a long time. But you're not neutral. So, Brendan, for the, of course, this is audio. I will tell the listeners, your head is in your hands. Um, talk us through top of your mind thoughts, please. Uh, okay. Before we get into my emotions, you will find people that I am very glass half full about these sorts of things. And there is a macro point to be made Um, in a tournament with a group stage. The most important thing in your first game is to not lose. Whether you are a favorite against an underdog, whether you are two evenly matched teams, losing is a disaster and any draw is actually acceptable. And I would have accepted a draw going into this game. There are still points to be gained uh, in at least one of these next two games. (sighs) Um, So I will not join the troll tirade that is taking over all social media at this time, I'm quite sure. Everybody slow your fucking roll because it is early doors. Having said that, to have taken the lead against Wales and not won against Wales is a blow. It's a blow, Rebecca, I'm not going to lie. Okay, okay, let me me jump in. So... What did you make of the personnel? What did you make of the fact that we didn't see Gio Reyna at all? What did you make of the fact that Brendan Aronson was off on the bench? What did you make generally of Greg Berhalter's team? Um, I thought the back line was right. I thought the midfield was right. As much as we may love mm-hmm. Aronson, the MMA midfield of McKenney, Musa, and Adams has been a winning combination for us and shown great chemistry in the past. So I thought they were automatic. And then I think Pulisic is automatic. Um, and he I did well. We, uh, and, and, and he did well today. I have to say, you know, I, I know I was a bit harsh on him episode one, but he he is the gem, you know, and he is the face of your team. And he carried the ball upfield. He ate up ground. He had an assist. He stepped up. He also was clearly the target of Wales defensive strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took some lumps today. And then Josh Sargent, I generally would have liked, but I think the, like the logic for Josh Sargent, as I, I think Greg said, uh, USA coach Greg Berholter said uh, when he announced the <laughs> roster, you know, Josh is, is doing well in the championship and Wales has a lot of championship players. But interestingly, Wales' entire back line was top flight players, not all necessarily from England. So I was like, huh, I don't know about that. And I maybe would have rather seen, you know, Wea up front for this game and Aronson or Reyna on the right. Not playing Reyna at all is concerning. Like, I, I part of the, uh, you know, the Twitter dark cloud formation that is forming all over the internet at this time is... You know, that we were not aggressive enough in the second half, which uh, which may be true. In fact, it's probably true. But even if even if that was intentional, 
and not just a response to Wales flipping a switch, Gio Reyna is the type of guy you want in there because his ability to keep the ball is is absolutely incredible. And then Aronson, when he came in, I don't think was particularly effective. Maybe he needs to, maybe he needs to start to be effective, but that would be a shame because not everyone's going to start every game. So personnel wise, I was generally fine. I was hoping Sargent would do better. He had the first chance of the game, and oh, that he had converted. It's so interesting, Brendan, because obviously you're looking at this through the stars and stripes glasses, and I'm looking at at it through. I mean, a little star and stripes glasses because I did want the USA to win. I have a lot of friends who are Welsh and obviously I'm from Great Britain. So should I want Wales to win? Maybe. But I live in America. I'm an American citizen. My child was born in America. So I want USA to do well. Not on Friday, but today I wanted you guys to win. I thought you played better than I expected you to. I thought you looked a bit tired in that sort of first section of the second half. But then you got a second wind, which was really interesting, partly down to substitutions. But I thought Pulisic, like I said, was excellent. I like the fact that you didn't look to me like you were trying to just sit back on a 1-0 win. You were trying to go and get another goal, which obviously is risky, but I like that approach. I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, it was a terrible decision from Zimmerman. I mean, the guy is going to have nightmares, you know, all night tonight. You don't need to go to ground in the area, especially not on Gareth Bale, especially when we know what he can do from penalties. So that moment, Zimmerman... I don't know, lack of experience on the bigger stage of all, but he's a pretty experienced guy. So what did you, I mean, you must have known the minute he went in on Gareth Bale, you were just like, oh God. Yeah. And I got texts from various friends like, how is that a penalty? He got to the ball first. I'm like, yeah, guys, you can't, it doesn't really count if you get the <laughs> Was ball that Christine and Jared? through the man's legs. <laughs> Christine and Jared. No, Christine and Jared hadn't arrived yet. <laughs> right after they walked in, just as uh, Bale had the ball in the spot and they're like, oh, is the shootout starting? <laughs> get out of here, Jared. Uh, Oh, and Turner got a hand to it as well. He got a hand to it. I've got to tell you, though, my moment of the game was the last minute when Turner was off his line and Bale was lining up with his left foot and then he got crunched from behind by Kellen Acosta. Without doubt, the tactical foul of the World Cup so far. That, for me, was as good as a goal. I was up there like a proper Englishwoman applauding a professional foul. That, actually, for me, was crucial because Bale, with Turner off his line... You wouldn't bet against him. Huge foul from Kellen Acosta. That was a absolutely game-saving foul. And that is the kind of thing that Kellen Acosta is in there for. He's great. I was really glad he made the team. Uh, but Rebecca, it's just... Uh, oh, no. Uh. Oh, no. Here's the thing. As I said, I do believe this team can beat anyone. And I do believe that they can beat England, despite what today's results would suggest. But I believe the history of football is pockmarked. Uh, with teams that only got a draw in their first match and then went on to not only get out of the group, but even further than that. I want to say 58%. I think I heard Landon Donovan post-game on the coverage say 58% of teams who draw their opening game at World Cup get out of the group. So it's not terrible. Okay. And then it was like 84 for a win, which obviously would be preferable. But it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. But we cannot act like the sky is falling here. Oh, apparently there had been a contest heading to this World Cup along the lines of uh, be a referee for a day. And the winner got to referee this match. <laughs> I know. I know. Both teams hated him. Absolute inconsistency. Stopping the match for injured players who did not have head injuries and then no longer stopping the match for injured players. Giving out yellow cards like they were fucking vaccines day one of the, the pandemic. That's fun. That's funny stuff there. But I I don't think you're alone in that. I don't think the refereeing so far has been great. We had inconsistency in the England-Iran game and the yellow cards are being dished out, like you say, all over the place, which I find really 
worrying because all that that's going to do is deny the world, the 5 billion people watching, of the best players in the later rounds. Because I think it's two yellows over the course yeah. of the group stages and you miss a game. Group stage and all the way to the quarterfinals. It doesn't it doesn't erase till after the quarterfinals. Right. So we are going to be denied some of the best players in all of these teams. So have a higher bar for what is a yellow card. The Premier League adopted it last year. They took a higher bar for basically gave more grace. Let's give them more grace to keep these players on the field. Yeah. You know, you see this at, in March Madness every once in a while. Like there's tense calls or like tight calls that happen, you know, in the early rounds, which is, and it turns out like these are the referees establishing the rules and reminding people that they're in control. But the cost of it in football is just too high. It felt intentional. And maybe it's something we will see for the remainder of the first games in each group. But oof. It's it's not going to be fun if it continues after that. I agree. I agree. Okay. Have you got anything else you want to say? Just get off that chest of yours, that chest that, listeners, I can tell you there's a giant USA crest just blazoned across Brendan's chest. Anything else, you just want to get off that big old chest. Hashtag believe me, babe. Hashtag the guys. <laughs> These are the guys. No, actually, thank you for reminding me of that. These are the guys. Now, here's the other thing. There are people who are going to be like, ah, oh, well, fuck, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? We should have put in this person. We should have that person. This is who we have. This is who we are. There will be no trades. There will be no free agency. I mean, yeah, maybe Raina should have been in there and blah, 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 blah. But these are the guys. This is who we got. Get behind them. It's not over yet. Chill. It's really not, Brendan. I really think, I'm really trying to lift your spirits here. I think you're a little bit too down for what happened. I think you played well. You were the better team. Pulisic seems to be on it. I think it's going to be fine. I think you're going to get through. So I just don't want you to be too doom and gloom right now. I'm not. But I do think, had you... No, don't be be silly, Rebecca. I do think, had you never gone to Holland all those years ago and been exposed Mm -hmm. to the wonderful game that is football, Mm -hmm. your life right now would be a lot less stressful. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a huge mistake. Massive. That has not worked out for me in any way, shape, or form. Also, Ted Lasso would never have happened in that that, uh, scenario. But yes, Holland, what a time. What a time. Did you say Holland? Oh, what a segue. Oh, my God. If you're new to the podcast, listeners, because I just mentioned Holland, because Brendan moved there for, what, five years back in the day, and we are allowing him here on this podcast, just 60 seconds every episode, to give us his update on his feelings of his second team. Now, listeners, I just want you to know this is an anomaly. Like, you're not supposed to have two teams. Disagree. Oh, it's literally written somewhere on a stone somewhere. It's a very English way of thinking. That is not true. That's not an American way of thinking. Yeah, everyone which everyone is, here is a second team. Which is a little tiny bit weird. But because you are you and I like you, I'm going to allow you a second team. Sure. Oh, thank you. And, and I'm going to give you your Dutch in 60, which is the part of the show where Brendan gets to talk about the Dutch just for 60 seconds because nobody wants any more. I'm holding up a clock, Brendan, so you know how long you've got. Let's go right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all right, everybody. Um, Holland, again, very entertaining team going forward. You're going to love watching them. They're a great time. And today was their toughest game in the group because they played African champions, Senegal. I was very worried about it. Their other group members are Ecuador, who beat Qatar real bad. And also, wouldn't it be fun if Qatar didn't even score a goal? That would be delightful. Anywho, real tense game, tactical, back and forth. Much respect to Senegal. They know what's up. Um, but Holland pulled it out with two goals in the last, oh, well, I would say, you know, uh, eight minutes because one was in the like, 82nd minute. But then the second one was in like the 90 ninth minute 
gotta give it to Louis van Gaal, the coach. They call him the Iron Tulip, but not in Holland, because why would they do that? Um, but he <laughs> he started a goalkeeper who has never played for the national team before. And he had a clean sheet. He had some badass saves. Louis van Gaal knows what's up. And um, and you should love him. You should love him in his weird, you know, melted face that uh, when he was born was pressed against some kind of wall. And now that's the face he has. And he's the best. <laughs> okay, I have to stop you. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's the one minute. But I, I have to say, I just, I, we're not spending longer than 60 seconds, but just very quickly. I also looked at the lineup. I will tell you that I didn't watch the game because had to get up at 3am for England, went back to sleep, then had to get up again sure. for USA. But when I saw the Holland lineup, I was like, who is that goalkeeper? Amazing. Yeah, so were his teammates. <laughs> well played. Well played. Now, on the second team thing, just for, to explain oh, myself. Oh, okay. Go on. Really quickly. Sure, sure. I, I learned to love football while I was in Holland. I lived with eight Dutch guys who got me into the game there. And so I'm unabashed in my uh, continued affection for Holland. If they had to play the U.S. in the second round, I'm rooting for the U.S. the whole time. And that will not be an issue. But also, Rebecca, more commonly than you think... And with a different version than me, um, there's tons of Americans who have a second team, you know, because we're an immigrant nation. So there are tons and tons of people who also support Italy, also mm. support Guatemala, yeah. or, you know, also support whoever. So um, I guess. I guess. Let's not be so imperial. <laughs> okay, pipe right? down, basically. Pipe down. All right. There was another game today, apparently. Um, and if you like a little more <laughs> of a sunny attitude and a bit less cursing, or if there will be cursing, it will have, uh, you know, a British folksiness that you will find quirky and endearing. Rebecca, mm. talk to us mm. about England 6, Iran 2. I mean, I'm not sure where to start. I'm so sorry. I'm so happy. I, I'm trying to just keep a <laughs> lid. I'm trying to keep a lid on it because, as everyone says, it was only Iran and they were not very good. I guess I want to run through a few things, Brandon, see if you agree with me. Mm -hmm. For me, the man of the match and a breakout star at this World Cup is and will be Jude Bellingham. Mm -hmm. If you don't know anything about Jude Bellingham, he's 19 years of age. He plays for Borussia Dortmund in Germany, having moved there in 2020 from Birmingham City in the Championship in England, the league below the Premier League. When he left, he came up through the ranks at Birmingham, is a local boy. When he left Birmingham City, they did something that doesn't happen in England. It's quite an American thing, this, but it does not happen in England. They retired his shirt number. The number 22 at Birmingham City is retired following the departure of Jude Bellingham. That is how good a player they thought he was. He made his debut just after he turned 16 years of age at Birmingham. And they knew, they could see what a player he was and what a player he is. He is a Rolls Blooming Royce. I thought he was a player of the game. You shaking your head? You're not. I'm your shaking head. my head in, in in awe of Jude Bellingham. I, I mean, uh, I think his his stature and composure, like he he not only seems like he's 25, he seems like he's been captaining England for for multiple <laughs> tournaments already. Like he he is so good. He's he's legit. Yeah. I agree. He's special. Now, the back line, actually, funny enough, I think I mentioned Kieran Trippier on one of my Instagram stories, being for me the second most important player in that team. Didn't do it for me today. Wasn't on his game really today. Gave the ball away a lot. But that's okay, because alongside him, Stones and Maguire. I mean, isn't this Maguire story fascinating? He doesn't play for Manchester United, despite being captain. He's lost his form for the last year and a half. But Gareth Southgate, continues to rely on him, continues to name him to a starting lineup, and he hit the bar. He played fine. He brought the ball out of the back like we know he can do. He's not got a lot of pace, and he did lose his man for their first goal. And then he went off feeling unwell, apparently. So I don't know whether we'll see him again in the next couple of games. But he did okay. And John Stones was excellent. Luke Shaw was excellent. So I was happy with the back line. And that's a big thing for England. I think we talked about in episode one. Defensively, England have been weak recently. So that, for me, was a real positive. Moving further forward, Rice and Bellingham, brilliant. And then the stacker Sterling Mount triumvirate. 
Mason Mount, who's played for Chelsea and has been out of form pretty much, or kind of patchy form really for the last six months or so for Chelsea in a Chelsea shirt. Really good today. Back to Mason Mount. Sterling, always reliable, comes through for England. And Saka, that big old smile. He comes from where I come from in in London. So I do take sometimes quite a lot of credit for his talent. He (laughs) was magnif today. And then how many times did England score six goals and Harry Kane doesn't score? Never. So that was actually a great thing to spread the goals around the team. I think five different players Mm -hmm. scored because, of course, Rashford came on. Instant impact inside seconds. Marcus Rashford with a goal. Jack Grealish with a lovely tap-in from a Callum Wilson pullback. Callum Wilson, been on the pitch a few minutes, had the wherewithal to look at the angle and think, I'm not going to score here. It'd be better if I pull it back for Jack Grealish. Magic. More on Grealish later, by the way. And I think the overall thought I came away from it with was thank you, Birmingham, for producing Jude Bellingham. And thank you, Pep Guardiola. Because the impact Pep Guardiola has had on the play of John Stones the play of Phil Foden and the play of Jack Grealish, especially the first two, Foden and Stones, is there for all to see. So we as a country have to thank Pep Guardiola for coming to England and having the impact that he has had as the Manchester City manager on this England team. He has made players better and he has created players in the form of Phil Foden. So thank you, Pep. Thank you, Birmingham. What a start to the World Cup. And England don't normally start fast. It was imperious today. And like to win, score six goals in a World Cup is is massive. And and it's a real like show of intent. I thought it was pretty great given what happened in their last tournament match for England that uh, Saka and Rashford both scored. Yeah. That was a bit of a uh, screw you world. Just remind um, people what happened in the last tournament game. Uh, at the end of the European Championship final, Saka and Rashford and Jaden Sancho uh, were left to take the final three penalties Saka despite the fact that he was what 18 at that time mm, really 19, 19. still uh, Rashford and Sancho having been subbed in in the 120th minute to take those penalties it was a real poop sandwich that they were served but then they missed all those and there was massive racist vitriol mm. and and bile and stupidity that came at them on social medias which was then redoubled by the reaction in support of them which was kind of amazing and they you know as, as they went to stadiums with their clubs the following season they were getting rounds of applause which was, was pretty great to see but for them to have that you know come back and reclaiming of their status was i thought kind of badass i thought also this game was a this is something i think it's gonna be important in this world cup but it was a real it was a real win for continuity of coaching because you know iran for all their other problems and everything else they have to deal with off the pitch, they've changed coaches recently on top of everything else. It's a, it's a coach they've had before, uh, that being Carlos Queiroz. But after a lot of discontent in the squad with their previous coach, Dragan Skocic, uh, he was fired just four months before the World Cup. That's not that's not how you keep things uh, flowing and consistent. Whereas Gareth Southgate has been there for six years and everyone knows what they're doing. They know their roles. They can slot right in. And why that's important is because there was no preseason really here or you know, no pre-tournament yeah. Yeah. You know, friendlies uh, to speak of. So there was no time to really work on what a team's going to do. So teams coming in already knowing what they're doing may have a bit of a leg up. And this was possibly a demonstration of that. Or just England's that good and or Iran is that bad. I want to pick up on two other topics, Brendan, around the game, which I think are mm-hmm. both really important. So my slight concern was that one of them was going to overshadow the game and be a distraction for the players on the eve of the game because it was such a big story. And that is the one love armband that Harry Kane wanted to wear as mm-hmm. England captain in support of the LGBTQ community. 
he had made it clear, Gareth Southgate had made it clear, the team have made it clear that they want to support. And Harry Kane wants to wear the armband. On the eve of the tournament, FIFA said, and it had been a long ongoing conversation between the English FA and FIFA, who have their own anti-discrimination armband, by the way, but it's not got the same impact as the one love that Harry Kane wanted to wear. FIFA told the English FA, if Harry Kane wears this armband during the game, he will get booked. And this created, obviously, huge headlines and a, a massive amount of debate, which I find really tough for Harry Kane because it's something that obviously was then decided out of his hands. Maybe it was the English FA who said to Gareth Southgate, no, we're not going to do it. He can't afford to get booked for this reason. Maybe it's Southgate deciding it. Maybe it was Kane. Who knows? But in the end, he didn't wear it. So therefore, he didn't get booked and he wore the anti-discrimination armband from FIFA instead. <sighs> I find it difficult to come down on one side or the other, Brendan, with this, because it's a case of what's more important, isn't it? Football or morality. And I see the argument, the likes of the former Manchester United player, Roy Keane, who's come out today saying he should have worn it. He should have worn it. If that's the stance, that's the stance from the English FA. He should have worn the armband. He should have taken the yellow card and moved on. Didn't have to wear it again in the game subsequently, but he should have worn it to make a statement. And wow, imagine if he'd worn it and taken a yellow card inside the first 10 seconds, because I assume the referee would have, what, the game would have kicked off and the referee would have walked over to Harry Kane. And get, I mean, how does a yellow, how do you get a yellow card for something you're wearing in real life? How does that even work? Before the game, he gives him a yellow card. When he's walking out, he gives him, it's very weird. Had he done that, I think it would have made incredible headlines around the world. I'm actually getting tingles thinking about what a statement that would have been from our captain, England captain, I would have loved it. <sighs> Having said that, I also kind of understand that it's not up to Harry Kane alone to take the punishment for something that he's trying to do for other people. It's really difficult. Where do you stand on it? <sighs> I mean, it would have been amazing mm. if he had done it just this one game and then not done it again. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of yellow cards. It seems pretty unlikely they would lose him later. So, you know, he'd be the guy to do it. And if he wasn't going to do it, I also wondered if like, well, what about just holding it up, you know, like like John Cusack's boombox from Say Anything while you're standing on the bench there, which suggests to me too, like there, there may yet be other things to come that mm -hmm. can garner attention. And, you know, there were other teams that were going to wear the, the One Love Armband, so we'll see if anyone else does it. But if Harry Kane had done it, it would have had particular weight. Uh, by the way, to that end, Jonathan Liu at The Guardian has already written a really a really great column about this very issue. Perhaps a harsh column, but uh, definitely worth a read. But conversely, yeah, I mean, I, it's the World Cup and I understand, you know, not wanting to take the risk, but oh, it would have been powerful. It would have been. I think the bottom line is that the sanction of a yellow card for wearing that armband is ridiculous. And therefore we have to look at FIFA, 100%. of course, as the real culprits in this. Um, it shouldn't have come down on Harry Kane's shoulders. And I go back to what I said, maybe episode one, episode two, all of this could have been avoided if the football family and the football world had come together 10 years ago and said, we ain't doing this because we don't want in 2022 to be in a situation where Harry Kane can't wear an armband unless he gets a yellow card. Don't want to be in a situation where they feel the need to wear an armband because of where the yeah. tournament's being held in the first place. Correct. So that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. The other thing, of course, what you made of the Iran players not singing the national anthem. Amazing. Incredible. I mean, it was such a poignant emotional moment. Many of the Iran fans booing the national anthem. Afterwards, Carlos Queros apparently, according to reports, saying, why did the fans even turn up if they're going to boo? No, they're not booing. I mean, it's an incredible lack of 
understanding of a situation because these fans are obviously booing the regime. They're not booing the players. And anyone listening, if you're not following what's happening in Iran, just a quick update for you. A few months ago, a young woman was detained in Iran for not wearing her hijab correctly, and she died in police custody. Since then, there have been massive protests on the streets, making national news across the world, and the Iranian regime has cracked down brutally. Hundreds of people have been killed. Just the other day, UNICEF said more than 50 children are among those who have been killed. It has been horrific. And you know, Brendan, so many people to feel sorry for in this situation. The players as well, you know, they're in a really difficult situation. It seems they do want to support the protests, but they can't really speak out. But that was when, as is so often the case, politics and football collide. And in that moment, again, sending a message to the world. They're brave. They're really blooming brave. That's pretty great, the amount of fans who try to come in with the Persian flag Mm -hmm. as well, as opposed to the Iranian flag. And they, like another person who we'll talk about soon, they were refused entry or told to turn their shirts around. Just the amount of draconian control that is trying to be exerted on people for wearing T-shirts. Do they not see that this will only make these messages louder Mm -hmm. and more pronounced? It's it's incredibly, it's incredibly short-sighted and stupid and... You know, I saw a great tweet today that I actually retweeted that uh, bears uh, some repeating. It's by a woman named Kim McCauley, her username Kimmy Schilling. My favorite thing about the World Cup is that it's basically reverse sports washing. The vast majority of the world had no opinion about Qatar 10 years ago and now hates them. Yeah, good job. And that's that's a fun twist in the tale. Um, now, again, people, we were talking about England and the USA so much because uh, she's from England and I'm from the USA. And, you know, we like to talk about our teams while they're still in the tournament and they won't be for long. So eventually this will go away. But uh, for now, we're pretty focused on that. And we are adding an episode because of the England USA game that's coming up on Friday. We will have a England USA preview, dedicated preview that will come to you on Wednesday. Um, for which uh, you will hear our optimism and our pessimism going into that game. And there may be a special guest. Ooh. <laughs> 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 ah, see, Rebecca didn't even know. Um, so here's a few uh, uh, thoughts, a few final thoughts, bits and bobs uh, as we as we carry you away. Rebecca? Yeah, quite a lot of final thoughts, actually. The first one I want to talk about, you mentioned, I think you hinted at it earlier on, Brendan. If anybody follows Grant Wall, the US soccer writer, he's out there. Well should. Yeah, he's out there right now in Qatar and covering it really, really well. And he posted a, a tweet before the USA game when he tried to get into the stadium wearing a soccer ball on his T-shirt. Surrounding the soccer ball was a rainbow, obviously in support of the LGBTQ community. And he was not allowed to enter the stadium. The security guard said to him, that T-shirt is not allowed. You need to remove it before you get in. So far from what I know, you may know more than me, Brendan, from what I know so far, he was detained. I can't even believe I'm saying the word. He was detained by the Qatari security at the stadium for half an hour, somehow managed to, however, convince them to get into the stadium. Do you know more? I I read his uh, piece about it. Yeah. Um, An important point, like, yes, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, the shirt is uh, supporting LGBT, but it was not specifically doing that it was you know just the colors of the rainbow in a full circle right. around a soccer ball right but he was attained he was told that that was a political shirt and he's like i don't i don't think it is and he refused to take it off um it's a pretty great read i recommend it but he also points out and i pointed out earlier that like the directives that the various security personnel have been given are not to detain or stop or interfere with anyone just because they are wearing rainbow colors 
And that was that was not true today. Eventually, someone from Qatari security apologized to him and someone from FIFA apologized to him for what that's worth. But again, it speaks to what I was you know mentioning last episode that I'm so worried about is if there's some subset of security forces or membership who think that they have to, you know, come down hard on anything that is flawed or wrong in their eyes, it's going to be a bad tournament. Mm. It's going to be very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just staggering. Absolutely staggering. Other side of the coin, positivity to come out of the World Cup so far, which, by the way, normally a World Cup needs a little bit of time to get going. I know the first game wasn't great, but I, I sort of feel like today has has got it going at full throttle already. So that's a great thing. But if you've seen the Jack Grealish goal celebration where he sort of, it's called the waggle, I think now, the waggle dance, when he scored the goal after coming off the bench for England against Iran, he did this waggle celebration. And if you don't know the story, I have to tell you, if you do, it's just good to be reminded. A few weeks ago, the Premier League put out on the Twitter feed a video where Jack Grealish was sent a letter from a Manchester City fan Grealish plays for Manchester City, a young boy called Finley who has cerebral palsy. And Finley wrote a letter to Jack because Jack's sister has cerebral palsy. And Jack does a lot of work for cerebral palsy charities. And it, his sister is on his, all over his social media. And he's a brilliant big brother, which is what Finley wrote in his letter to Jack saying, thank you for being such a brilliant big brother to your sister. Uh, thank you for talking about cerebral palsy. And also this little boy, Finley, plays for the Manchester City disability team. So he writes Jack this letter. Jack decides to not just write back, which he does, but after having posted the letter back to Finley, which he writes himself, you know, these footballers get a lot of jit. They get a lot of criticism that their PR companies, their managers, their agents do everything for him. He wrote the letter. He reads the letter out actually in this feature. He then turns up at training, or actually it was after a tournament that Finley was playing in. And he just walks straight up to him. You've got to see the video. It's not difficult to find on the internet. It's, it's one amazing. of the. It is amazing, Brendan. It is one of the. Mo- I mean, I welled up. I've seen it three times. I welled up in tears all three times. <sighs> Finley comes over and embraces him. Huge hugs. Lovely conversation. And as part of the conversation, Finley said, "Can you do a goal celebration for me when you next score a goal?" And Jack said, "Yeah, absolutely. I haven't really scored. I've only scored one this season, so I've got to try and score one first. But what do you want me to do?" And Finley said, "Can you do the worm?" Jack was like, I, I literally can't do the worm. Like, that is so difficult. He's like, no, you have to. You have to do the worm. And Jack Grealish was like, I, I think I might get injured if I do the worm. So the little Finley was like, all right, all right, do this. And he did the action of the waggle as it's now become known. And Jack said, all right, all right, I'll do that. I'll do that when I next score. And he played a few more games in the Premier League after that video came out. Didn't get a goal. Scored today. Had a big celebration with all the England players. As the England players left Jack to himself to celebrate in front of the fans, he did the waggle. And honestly, it's making me... Oh, it's making me get emotional just talking about it now because they do get so much criticism, these players, but they are good people and they do so much that we don't know about. That's just one thing that was filmed that we do know about. But the fact that he remembered, Brendan, the fact that he remembered that little boy and then put on his Twitter feed afterwards, this is for you, Finley, was just beautiful. And that is why this game is such magic. And that is why this game has such an impact that it has, which is why all the negativity also has an impact. But we can't always focus on that. We've got to focus on the love. And I just love Jack Grealish and I love Finley and the story's beautiful. Amen. Um, Well, I would like to talk about fetishes. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Uh, I thought there were three fetishes on display today on our television screens. One was FIFA's added time fetish. (sighs) Like, Absolutely. <laughs> there is a clearly a new directive for mm. uh, referees to pause the clock 
I mean, if the ball goes out of bounds or something, like it was one thing, yeah. you know, in the first half of England Iran where, you know, the goalkeeper severed a concussion and that caused a long delay and that made perfect sense. But then there was another, was it 14 mi- more there minutes? It was 14 of, of, minutes on the first half and then there was 10 minutes on the second. So there was a total of 24 minutes extra played in the England game. That was, it's ridiculous. And the, the second half of, of Netherlands Senegal had, I believe, eight minutes and uh, USA Wales ended with, uh, I think in the end, 11 minutes. Yeah. And that's nuts and over the top. And if they're trying to, you know, stop time wasting in the in the grand scheme of things, so be it. But hey, let's not overdo it. The other fetish is Fox trying to bring in American viewers with a fetish for American style stats that I've never seen before. Did you see these? They were quick to point out amount of turnovers, football term, amount of receptions between the defensive lines and midfield line, football term. And maybe this is genius, but it seems a bit corny to me. And uh, finally, these commercials, particularly this uh, Peyton Manning, uh, David Beckham commercial about like, it's soccer, it's football. I'm really tired of the soccer versus football conversation, <laughs> people. Okay. As the great Canadian comedian Glenn Wool once said, and I'm a paraphrase, it's okay for a thing to have two names and it's okay for a word to have two meanings. What do we have in America as our currency? The dollar, also known as the buck. But a buck, it also means a deer. And yet we seem to be able to figure out which one is which. So let's not worry about it. And by the way, soccer is an English word for English people who are mad about the word soccer. You invented it in the first place, and I'm tired no, of having this conversation. We're not mad. But more importantly than football soccer, it's crisps, not chips. That is definitely very important that we need to get out there from the Peyton Manning, David Beckham commercial. Mm. Counterpoint, it's fries, not chips. (laughs) And we could go on. But you're right. You're right. But I suppose what that's doing, isn't it? I suppose those commercials are built for people not like us who are new and trying to be a part of something. Can I be that annoying devil's advocate? Uh, No, I don't think I can. I think I've just even annoyed myself by saying that. I don't know. I think, can we just assume that everyone is here at the height of their intelligence and we can all just speak to each other and everyone's going to catch up because it's not that hard? It's not that hard, guys. Pick it up. Um, All right, so we are going to have this USA-England preview on Wednesday. There will be games between those days. One game I'm looking forward to tomorrow is uh, Mm Mexico-Poland. I'd like to see uh, if Mexico is going to uh, step up in their way. And um, if Lewandowski is going to have one last run here. Uh, All these good Poland teams that Lewandowski's been on the last decade, they've only made it out of the group stage once. Um, Will this be uh, the time that that uh, improves? And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Messi against Saudi Arabia mismatch of the century yeah how many goals is Messi going to score against Saudi Arabia I mean they once gave up eight against Germany in 2002 that was a tough tough game to watch most goals scored in a World Cup game by the way is five by Oleg Selenko of Russia versus Cameroon in 1994 boom could happen tomorrow Mm. yeah Mm. anything else there Rebecca just loving the World Cup not gonna lie yeah I bet you are I bet Just loving it. Oh, feels good. I got everything off my chest. Uh, We love you, Walker Zimmerman. Don't be down, buddy. No. Don't be down. Don't be down, America. It's going to be okay. You guys are okay. It's all right. Okay, folks. um, If you have uh, loved this show, or even if it's just sparked a gentle curiosity, uh, be sure to check out Go Go USA on the Men in Blazes podcast feed, where Roger Bennett and myself discuss the rich history of men's soccer in America. What's that? You didn't think there was one? You're wrong! And if you're loving this show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and be sure, please, to rate and review us. It really helps other people find the show. And for round the clock World Cup news plus live scores and standings, follow along on the Apple News app in My Sports where available. We are going to be back 
with more World Cup coverage. Brendan's going to be happier. I'm going to make sure of that right here in your podcast feed Wednesday. As we look ahead, Brendan, we've got to look ahead. We're not going to looking back anymore. Looking ahead on Wednesday for a preview of the US match against England just before Thanksgiving. It'll come out on Wednesday. Only forward.